0: I have a uh, chapter that I want to deal with today, but to begin with, let me just read two verses that Jesus said. This is what Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on this service Uh, Lord, would you just bless the Word. Uh, May your Holy Spirit speak it into our hearts. And dear Lord, as I speak on the outside, I pray that you would speak on the inside. Uh, Challenge us and change us. Lord, I pray that when the invitation is given, your Spirit would have control over this place and our lives, and that we would respond to the truth that's been given today. Again, we love you, and we pray that Jesus be exalted as we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, my sermon today is entitled, When All Hope is Lost. Sometimes it just feels like all hope is lost, right? You ever been there? I've been in a series on when you're in a tight spot and when your back is up against the wall. And even though it's Palm Sunday, I want to kind of continue this theme with an amazing story that we find in the Gospel account today. But I want to talk to you, When All Hope is Lost, in preparing for this sermon i googled that when all hope is lost just that phrase and i was amazed there were 715 million results from the phrase when all hope is lost i feel like i've tapped into something there are a lot of people in the world today who feel like all hope is lost i read story after story after story of people Real people just like you whose worlds have fallen apart and they believe that all hope was lost. I remember reading about this one guy. Uh, He was a young man. His wife had just left him. They had a little toddler daughter that he had the care of. Uh, So his wife had left. The business that he had started six months ago was falling apart and was not making money. The car that he had just bought that was used was falling apart and the the repairs was going to be more than the car was worth. Uh, the, the daycare that he sent his daughter to, uh, he was behind four months in, in his daycare bill. His rent was past due. He was working two jobs, one late at night. could not find anybody to take care of his little daughter. And he threw up his hands and he said, all hope is lost. Just real people, real problems, real life. You've been there when all hope is lost. Such was the case for Mary and Martha. Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 11. To perhaps one of the most spectacular miracles our Lord ever performed. Now we're going to look at this entire chapter, John chapter 11, but the events that occur here happen over a four-day time period. So let me just fill you in on what's going on. Day one, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus are dear friends of Jesus. And Lazarus gets sick. The two sisters know that his sickness is unto death and their only hope is having Jesus there to heal him. So they send a messenger to Jesus who is a day's walk away in a place called Perea. But sometime after the messenger leaves on that first day, Lazarus dies. Verse 4, When Jesus heard that, He said, "'This sickness is not unto death, "'but for the glory of God, "'that the Son of God may be glorified through it.'" Day two, the messenger, having delivered the message to Jesus, returns to Bethany. Of course, by then, Lazarus is dead. Jesus, however, does something that's really hard for us to understand. Verse six, "'So when He heard that He was sick,' He stayed two more days in the place that He was. He waited two more days before leaving to go to Bethany. And Jesus knows that He's already dead, but He just waits. Day three, all is silent. Jesus does nothing as far as Lazarus is concerned. He, I mean, just He seems to do nothing. Nothing at all. Day four, Jesus arrives in Bethany. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Martha runs out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house with all the mourners. Verse 21, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God is going to give it to you. Later Mary comes out to meet Jesus and all three of them, Mary, Martha and Jesus, go to the tomb. Where Lazarus was laid. And Jesus commanded that the stone be rolled away. Martha says. Jesus I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's been in there four days. Verse 40. Jesus said to her. Did I not say to you. That if you would believe. You would see the glory of God. And so Jesus prayed. And he calls for Lazarus. To come out of this tomb. Now we all know how this ends. But at this point, Mary, Martha, and the other disciples didn't. Before Jesus comes to town, it seems like all hope was lost. Time out. Have you been there? Has there been a time in your life when you felt like all hope was lost? Maybe it was your health. You went to the doctor and got a horrible report. Maybe it was the health of a a dear relative to you, a spouse or a parent or a child. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a struggling business. Maybe it's a failing marriage. Could be a rebellious child or a wayward grandchild. There was no hope. And you cried out to God and just knew that God would take care of everything. But instead, God is silent. You've cried and you prayed and you poured your heart out to God and there's no answer. There's no response. Have you been there? Brother, let me tell you, I have on more than one occasion. You need a job and so you pray and ask God for a job, but no job comes. You're lonely and you ask God for a mate, but He doesn't send one. Your marriage is falling apart and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And you don't think it can get any worse. And the next day it gets worse. And you pray and you cry out, but God seems to do nothing. Can I tell you, when all hope is lost, know two things. There are two certain truths when it seems like all hope is lost. Truth number one, God is working for His glory. Okay? God is working for His glory. I go back to verse 4. When Jesus heard that, He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. God always works for His glory. When we act for our glory, it's generally motivated by egotism. But when God does it, it is because of truth. He wants us to see truth. So far in this little mini-series, I've talked about Moses caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. We've talked about David facing a giant, and Job losing everything that was precious to him. And now Mary and Martha losing the one person they loved the most, their brother Lazarus. All hope was lost, but understand this, God was working, and He was working in all of those situations and in yours so that He can get the glory. He wants people to see that this is a God thing. And the only way it can be better is when He does something incredible. When you go through a tough time, when all hope is lost, be certain of this. There are some things that God cannot show us about Himself without our going through suffering. Now we don't like to hear that, but it's true. We would not have seen the glory of Christ's resurrection had we not also seen the pain of the crucifixion of Christ. Psalms 50 verse 15, God said, Call upon Me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will honor Me. You see, friends, Jesus works on the timetable of His divine mission, not on the timetable of our expectations. So, When all hope is lost, understand that God is working. But He is working for His glory. He is going to do something absolutely amazing. When He does it, everybody is going to step back and say, Wow, look what God did. When all hope is lost, know this second truth. God is working for your good. He's not only working for His glory, He's working for your good. Obviously, this was true for Lazarus. How do I know that? Well, the guy came back to life. (laughs) He's raised from the dead. But Jesus is also working for the good of his disciples. Verses 14 and 15. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Do, Do you get what Jesus is saying? to his disciples, to his men. He's saying, guys, understand, Lazarus is not just sick. He's not just sleeping. He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because, I'm adding this, because you've seen me heal the sick. And they had. Hadn't they? You've seen me do that miracle, but I'm about to show you something you've never dreamed of. I'm about to show you something big. You think healing the sick was big. Hang on. I'm about to do something amazing. It's going to blow your mind. And through this, you are going to understand me better and you are going to believe in me. Jesus was also working for the good of the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And you say, preacher, what what is the good of that? Well, he is working for our faith. You see, Jesus knows that the greatest good that can come into our lives is for us to understand and know how to tap in to the powerful resources of God through faith, through believing. So, whatever silence we may feel from God, whatever delay we may sense from God, be certain that whatever God is up to, it is for our good Okay. I tell you what I, I, I worry about us sometimes I told Mason coming in here I said we're going to have a class we're going to have a four week series on how to clap we're going to get some excitement in this place sooner or later you know? I pray every week Lord send a revival and help it to start this week let's get going people this is awesome this is good news Because you know what? When you feel like all hope is lost, it's not. God is working. He's going to do something amazing for His glory. And He's going to do something good for you. But what do you do in the meantime? Well, I've got four strategies when it seems like all hope is lost. Four things we can start doing, believe in, understand. The first truth is this. Remember, God loves you. When all hope is lost, remember, God loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know. Or the Bible tells me so. And you know what? Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We we read about that. Verse 3, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Behold, Lord, he whom you love is sick. Jesus loved Lazarus. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. Jesus loves you. But the Bible specifically tells us that Jesus loved these three people. They were precious to him. But Jesus' actions seemed to contradict his love. If Jesus loved Lazarus so much, why did he let him get sick in the first place? Boy, we've thought that, haven't we? About our own lives about people that are precious. If God loved me so much, He wouldn't let this happen to me. Mm. Why did Jesus delay in coming? I mean, He waited four days. Why didn't Jesus heal Lazarus from a distance? Hey, we know He can do that. I've read stories in the Bible where He healed long distance. You know what? It just wasn't in His plan. Have I said this before? God's got a plan. He's got a plan for your life. You know what? Sometimes that plan is to go over some rough roads. Sometimes that plan is to face some dark days. You're not exempt from it. You're going to face it. But understand He's with you when you do. And He loves you. Jesus loves you. His love is seen in His response. Listen to verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews... Who came with her weeping. He groaned in his spirit. That's a heavy word. He groaned in his spirit. And he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then there's that shortest verse in the English Bible. Jesus wept. He loved them. You know, I, I really think, and I'm kind of stepping back here. I really think we, we don't understand love. That's our problem. We really don't have the foggiest idea of what love is because the the, the world's definition of love is so perverted and so wrong and so short of God's standard. And, And we can't help but adopt a little bit of what this world teaches us about love. And so we say this, If you love me, you'll do this for me. If you love me, you'll give me this. If you love me, you won't let this happen to me. That's the way we interact with other people. And it's a very selfish way of living. But we do it, don't we? And sometimes we translate that into our feelings towards God. But can I tell you something? God's love for us is not a pampering love. God is not going to give us something just because we whine and ask for it. God is not going to give us everything we want because everything we want is not what we need. So God's love is not a pampering love. It's a preparing and a perfecting love. His love does not guarantee that we will be shielded from problems or pain in life. In fact, the opposite is true. The fact that we love Him and He loves us doesn't shelter us from our problems and pains in life. And even though God is silent and His delay seems unbearable, no matter what you are tempted to believe, you must never forget that God loves you. Okay? God loves you. He knows what you're going through. He is sympathetic to what you are feeling. God knows and God loves. Romans 8, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Then Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How about a shout of hallelujah? (laughs) God loves you. God cares for you. The second thing you need to keep in mind when all hope is lost is that you need to trust that God has everything under control. You need to trust that God has everything in His hand. You find the word believe all through this chapter. In fact, it's found in the chapter nine times, eight times specifically for this story. The situation calls for everyone to trust for everyone to believe, for everyone to have faith that God is in control of the situation. Remember, this is really the point of this entire event, to display the glory of God and to develop the faith of His followers. Faith doesn't grow if it's not exercised. It's kind of like the muscles in your body. If you don't use them, they just deteriorate. You've got to exercise those muscles for them to grow and be strong. It's the same way with faith. It must be exercised. From Martha and Mary's perspective, things were swirling out of control, weren't they? I I don't know. Maybe they felt like they were uh, being tossed around like a can that was kicked down a street. (laughs) But Jesus was working according to the Father's timetable. Jesus is carefully orchestrating all of these events. When all hope is lost, trust that God has everything under control. And He does. Last night when I was going through my notes and thinking about this, a story came to my mind when I was a little kid. We, we lived out in the country in Midland, about five or six miles north of town. Uh, not a whole lot of people lived out there at the time. Houses were spread out. Not many people drove down the roads. And so when we got to a certain point on the way out to our house, like coming from uh, Midland, coming from church or whatever, my dad sometimes would say, William, get on up here. And I'd climb from the back seat to the front seat. Of course, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Nobody wore seatbelts back then. I mean, half the time, my sister and I were laying on the back dash of that 63 Impala, you know? Remember the good old days, woo man! And so he'd say, "Get on up here, son!" And so I'd climb over the seat and I'd get over in his lap, and he'd let me have the steering wheel. Six years old, six years old! I'm driving down the road. Now he's controlling the feet pedals because I can't reach them, but I'm sitting in his lap, just peeking over the dash, and I'm a driving. I'm driving, man. It's awesome. I'm driving. Six years old. I can remember a couple of occasions when I tried to make a turn. And it didn't go so well. And we, we were headed for the bar ditch, you know. But here's what old my, my old dad would do. he just not, not, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't flustered. He wasn't aggravated. He wasn't in a rush. He'd just kind of gently put his hand on that dash and just turn the steering wheel. Get me back on the road let me have i wasn't really driving i thought i was my dad had control of things you know sometimes I, i i feel like in life just like mary and martha felt my life is spinning out of control things couldn't get much worse all hope is lost you know what when that happens sometimes we just need to take our hands off the steering wheel and let God have the steering wheel. Third thing you need to remember when all hope is lost, watch for what God is teaching you. You need to watch for what God is teaching you. Spiritual growth is not automatic. God deliberately takes us through circumstances in our lives where He teaches us truths about Himself. Let me show you this. Think about what Jesus is teaching Martha. It has to do with who He is. Verse 21. Let me read verse 21 and following. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to Him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I want you to notice two times she said, I know. I know. Lord, I know. And at this point she knows a truth. Okay she knows the truth she knows a doctrine she knows something in her head but she needs to know more than that doctrine or more than that truth she needs to know the teacher who taught the truth Now look, look. doctrine is important You know I believe that teaching the truth is important It's under it it is so important that you understand truth and that you have your doctrine straight it's essential. Just a side note: I probably won't say this in second service, but just say it to you guys. Back in the '40s and '50s, people joined churches because of doctrine. They joined a church because this church was a Free Will Baptist church and they taught Free Will Baptist doctrine, or a Southern Baptist church that taught this doctrine, or whatever it was. They chose. Didn't matter anything. Is because of doctrine. Today, doctrine is way down on the list. People choose churches because the bathrooms are clean or because they have good care in the nursery. I am serious. Doctrine is way down on the list. But let me reiterate, I better say this in second service too, don't Doctrine is important. But, having said that, knowing doctrine without it taking you to the person who the doctrine is about will leave you Hopeless. You can have all the truth and all the doctrine in your head, but if you don't know the person who the doctrine is about in your heart, it is hopeless for you. And Jesus is saying to Martha, You don't need to know another doctrine. You need to know me. You need to trust me. You see, when you're sick, you don't need a medical journal. You need a doctor. When you're being sued, you don't need a law book. You need a lawyer. The answer to the situation is not a doctrine. The answer to the situation is Jesus. Look again at verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is one of those amazing statements made by Jesus in the Gospel of John. The great I am statements. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. And here he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, whether Lazarus lives or dies, I'm going to be his life. If he dies, don't worry. Because with me he will live. And if he dies, I'm going to be your life. Whoever it is that believes in me and lives in me, is never going to die. <laughs> That's the lesson of this truth. That's the lesson of John chapter 11. This is so essential for us to understand. It's all about believing in Jesus. It's all about us putting our faith in Jesus. But you know what? Sometimes sometimes our problems are so big that we can't see the answer because we are focused on the problem. And honestly, I think that was the case for Mary and Martha at least for a little while. Question, why did Mary not go out immediately when she learned that Jesus was present? Verse 20 says that when Martha learned Jesus was there, she went out to meet Him. But Mary stayed at home. Later on, Jesus asked Martha for Mary. And Martha went back to the house and said, The teacher is here and He's asking for you. So why in the world didn't Mary go out at the beginning? I'm just speculating here, but could it be that Mary is hurt because Jesus delayed? Could it be that she didn't immediately go out to Jesus because she didn't understand why Jesus did not come immediately hearing that his, her brother was sick? I pick up on this in verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell down at His feet saying to Him, Lord, if You would have been here, my brother would not have died. Interesting, her sister had said the exact same thing in verse 21. So evidently these two girls had been talking. Lord, if if You would have just been here, none of this would have happened. felt that way get a little mad at god hey you know i'm just being truthful Hmm? your eyes are so fixed on that huge problem that you've lost all hope in and you're a little bit ticked off at god because he allowed it to happen to you and he's not doing anything about it And instead of focusing on the one who can solve the problem, we are focused on the problem. And we're mad at him. That almost happened to Mary and Martha. But praise God it didn't. Don't don't let it happen to you. Because you know what? In this lesson, Jesus is trying to teach us the truth about Him. Don't miss the, the lesson. Don't miss the teaching. He wants you to trust Him. That's the deal. Can I say this? I've said this so many times in here, I hope you get it by now. If you don't learn the lesson, you'll have to take the test again. So understand, God is trying to teach you something. Trust Him. And that really leads me to number four. When all hope is lost, cling to the promises of God. No matter how discouraging or how disappointing the circumstances may be, cling to the promises of God. Really, in, in times like this, the only thing we may have to cling to are the promises of God. Back when I googled, when all hope is lost, I read one story about a guy, an uh, incredible story. He had, had lost all hope. There was no hope of anything getting better. And then he found out that there was a sliver of hope. <laughs> sliver of hope. But as soon as he found out about that sliver of hope, it vanished too. No hope. End it all. Because there's no hope. Let me tell you, there's hope. There is hope. That's what this story is about. You cling to the promises of God because they are our hope. Jesus asked in verse 26, Do you believe this? I almost titled the sermon that. Do you believe this? It's really the point of the whole event. Because in verse 42, Jesus prayed, And I know that you always hear me, Father, but because of the people who are standing by, I ask this, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said that they may believe that you sent me, that is the point of the miracle that Jesus performed, that they may believe. And then the climax of the story comes in verses 43 and 44. Now when he he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with the grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. When Jesus speaks, things happen. I am reminded of what the old black preacher said about this. Why did Jesus mention Lazarus specifically by name? Because if he had not, every dead person in the cemetery would have come forth. And Lazarus came forth. He returns to his body. Suddenly this figure appears in the door of the tomb, bound in grave clothes, still wrapped in white with a napkin around his head, stumbling and staggering about. What a sight that must have been. It's probably good that it didn't happen at night. (laughs) You with me? You see, even when... Life falls apart, and when all hope is gone, you can trust God. Because God has the power to keep His promises. We make promises sometimes that we can't keep, but not so with God. All of His promises are good, all of His promises are yes. Cling to His promises. What about your salvation? Are you clinging to the promises of God? Jesus said, Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Hmm. So, what do you do when all hope is lost? (laughs) You look to Jesus. That's it. You look to Jesus. You trust Jesus. You have faith in Jesus. It, It really all comes back to that question that Jesus asked Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you know what? Heaven will be your home. And you have the promise from me that even in life, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to take care of you. You may not understand everything that happens, but you know what? It's for my glory and for your good. So just hang on. Hang on. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Hang on. It's going to be okay. And it will be, if you believe. Heavenly Father, I pray that today we would believe. Lord, for the person that is here that's never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today they would come to the altar, confess their sins, and be born again. Lord, they may not understand it all or really know exactly what to do, but I pray by faith they would just come and Allow us to show them what they need to do. Then, dear Lord, for the rest of us who are here, who are believers, who are going through tough times, may on this Palm Sunday we understand this truth, that you are the resurrection and the life, and we must believe in you. We must trust you. And so, dear Lord, I pray that you would help us today to bring all of our cares and worries and problems to you. Help us to trust you I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Sally's going to start playing. Miss Angie's going to sing. As soon as you stand up, come on. Come to the altar and pray today.